God is a builder and he's building his church. He's building his church here at Woodland Church and all over the world. God is a builder upper. The enemy is a terror downer. You know that, don't you? And God's building his church and the church is you. The church is a people. It's you, the people of God. The church is not a building, it's the body of Christ. It's not a place you go, it's people, it's you. So that means God is building you up. God wants to build you up. He wants to build you up today with some encouragement. How many of you guys need encouragement today? I know I do. He wants to build you up with courage. He wants to build you up with strength. He wants to build your faith, your character. God's a builder. Now there are some times where God allows us to be torn down. And some of you are in that place right now. You feel like you're being torn down, that some things in your life are crumbling. You're going through a time where you can't understand what God is up to because it seems like things that you built up or being torn down, but I just want you to know the reason why God allows you to go through that time of being torn down is so he can build up something bigger and greater in your life because God is a builder and he wants to build you up. So let's go to him and thank him and let's pray to him and ask him to build us up today. Dear God, I thank you so much that you're always at work in our lives. Even when we can't see you working, you're always building. And Lord, sometimes I can't see it because you're building behind the scenes and you're getting ready to unveil it in my life. And then Lord, sometimes I feel like I'm being torn down, but I know it's because you wanna build something bigger and greater in its place. And so Lord, I pray today you would build us up with encouragement, you would build our faith, you'd build our character, you would help us see that you wanna build something great and powerful in our lives and through our lives that will last for eternity. Just do miracles, Lord, today. Build your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep standing because I'm gonna read to you from Luke 6, 38, our key passage today because this weekend we're concluding this series we've been in, Believe and Build. Because what you believe in life determines what you will build with your life. That's why your beliefs are so important. And today we're talking about building a life of generosity. And the Bible is full of commands to give, and it's full of promises for the giver. And Jesus tells us the secret of living is giving. All the other character qualities can't be activated without giving. Love is meaningless unless you give it. And so we have to learn this principle, this secret of living that is giving, and Jesus tells us all about it in Luke 6, 38. He said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You can be seated. In this one verse, Jesus tells us three powerful truths and they all come down to one question. How big is your basket? It's a really important question. That's what I've titled the message today. How big is your basket? That will determine so much in your life. How big is your basket? And there are these three universal divine principles in this one verse that's just packed in. So let's break it apart and look at it. But it all comes down to that question that I hope you'll have answered by the end of this message today. How big is your basket? First, is the rule of return. In Luke 6, 38, 
It says in the first part of the verse, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. He says, give and you'll get back in return. Giving sets in motion this divine rule of return. Now, why did Jesus talk so much about money? He talked more about money than he did heaven and hell. Jesus talked so much about money and giving. It's because money relates to every part of our lives. How we handle it is a direct reflection of our deepest character. How we relate to it determines the quality of our deepest relationships. Jesus didn't just say, hey, love me with all your heart. He tells us practically how to obey that command. Give, because you can't love without giving. And when we obey his command on giving, the rule of return kicks in. You get back what you give. That's a principle of life. If you want more energy, you have to give energy and exercise to get back more energy. If you want friends, then you have to be a friend. That's just the principle of life that God set in motion when he created the world. It's the rule of return. Now, the second principle in this one verse is the law of expectations. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, the last part of the passage, for with, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus said, the more you give, the more you receive. Not just financially, but also relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and of course, financially. This is the law of expectations because our giving shows what we're expecting God to do in our lives. If we don't give much, we're not expecting God to do much in our lives. Basically, Jesus is saying, that you get to decide how much God blesses you. It's pretty amazing. We get to decide how much God blesses us. He's saying, if you give a small basket full, then you'll get back a small basket full of blessings. If you give a big basket full, then you'll receive a big basket full of blessings back. That's why the question, how big is your basket, is really important. It determines so much in life. It determines how you're blessed in life and the blessings that God gives you. Now, it's not about earning God's love or deserving God's blessings. It's about experiencing God's love and experiencing the blessings that he wants to give you. It's seeing that God is real and that he keeps his promises. That's why it's so important. That's why money is so important to God. That's why he talked about it so much when he walked this earth because he knows how we relate to it determines so much about our character. How much we give shows how much we're expecting God to do in our lives. And then there's this third universal principle in this one verse, the principle of overflow. And this is where it gets really exciting. He said in Luke 6:38. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So Jesus describes this divine principle of overflow using agricultural terms that everyone in his day would have understand. He would use all these illustrations and he would illustrate all his sermons so that people would remember them and he would use things they could relate to in that day. And so he said, press down. The blessing will be pressed down. Now, they had olive presses that would press down olives to extract oil. So Jesus is saying God is going to press out all the blessings that he has for you. You won't miss out on a single drop of God's blessings that he has for you. He's talking about financial blessing, but also so much more because oil always represents the Holy Spirit in Scripture. So God is saying 
that the Holy Spirit's anointing and favor on your life is released when you give. Giving releases the anointing of God's favor and power on our lives. And then he says, shaken together. What they would do when they were storing grain is they would pour the grain into the stores and then they would shake them down so they could pack them down so they could get the store as full as they could. And Jesus was saying, when you give, I'll give back so much more and I'll pack it down to put so much more in it, it'll reach the top and then it's gonna overflow. I'm gonna fill your life as full of blessings as I can and then I'm gonna keep blessing you until it runs over, that it overflows onto everyone around you because I'm blessing you to be a greater blessing. God doesn't just bless you to bless you. He blesses you to be a blessing and that's why the principle of overflow is so important. The blessings will overflow your basket. This is the principle of overflow. God blesses you to be a blessing. These divine and universal principles are taught all throughout scripture that giving unlocks the blessings of God in our lives. Giving unlocks the overflowing blessings in your life. And giving is really a trust issue. It's how much do I trust God's promises because he gives us so many promises for the giver. And so it really comes down to a trust issue. Do I believe that God is telling the truth or is God a liar? That's really what it comes down to. Further down in, in Luke chapter six, Jesus said this in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Jesus said, you say you believe my words, but you don't give, so you really don't believe me. If you don't give, you don't believe all those verses in the Bible that talk about God's promises for giving. So you ought to cut all those verses out of the Bible. Because if you don't give, then you're saying, God, I don't really trust you in this really important area of my life. I'm not sure that these promises, and I know you've given a lot of them in your word, I'm not sure that they're true. Yeah, I say I believe you, but I'm not really acting on that, so I really don't believe you in those. I'm not sure if you're really telling the truth in those. So we might as well cut those out of the Bible if we don't give. There was a time in the Old Testament where God's people just stopped believing his promises and they lost the value of generosity. It's in Malachi chapter three, verse six, and God said this to them. God says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, in this passage, God calls his people to return. God says, you walked away from me. You walked away from my principles. You're not doing what I ask you to do. You're missing out on the blessing. Return to me. And they ask, how are we to return? And notice, God doesn't say, return to me by praying more. He doesn't say, return to me by reading my word more. He doesn't say, return to me by making sure you're at Bible study. No, he talks to them about giving. 
specifically tithing. He says, return to me. Return your heart to me. Your heart has wandered away because you're not giving. Specifically tithing. Now the word tithe just means 10th. And the principle of tithing is to give 10% of your income, the first 10% of all you make back to God. It's taught all throughout scripture. Jesus confirmed it in the New Testament. God says tithing is the starting place. God said to his people, you're robbing me. And they ask, how are we robbing you, God? How can we rob you? And he says, because you're not giving me back what is rightfully mine. The tithe, the first 10% of your income is mine. And you're giving me the leftovers and you rarely have anything left over at the end of the month. And God says, when you don't tithe, you're robbing from me. And I'll get it all back one day. You're stealing what is rightfully mine because I've commanded you, you give me the first part of your income and I'll bless the rest. Enjoy the rest. Appreciate the rest. Be grateful for the rest. Enjoy it, but the first part is not yours. It's mine. So he tells his people, your whole nation is under a curse instead of blessings because you're robbing from me. It's not just that the people robbed God of what was rightfully his. They also robbed God of his opportunity to bless them because God wanted to bless them. God wants to bless you. That's God's heart. God is a builder upper. God is a blesser. That's what God wants to do. And so they were robbing God of his opportunity to bless them. And in a sense, they were just really robbing themselves. Now let's break this passage down. Let's look at it in Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's the principle of overflow again. God says, when you give back to me the first 10% of all you make, I'll open up the windows of heaven and bless you to overflowing. Now, the windows of heaven aren't a bank. They're beyond the bank. They are the windows from which all blessings flow. Everything flows from the Father of lights, all the good things, joy, peace, confidence, effectiveness, productivity, financial blessing comes from the windows of heaven when God opens the windows of heaven and pours that out on us. Now, why did God command that we give 10%? Why did God say it's a tithe, the first 10%? He could have said 5%, could have said 2%, he could have said 40%, but he said 10. I don't know why he chose 10. I don't know why he commands us to give the first 10th, but he does tell us the purpose of it all. The purpose of obeying this command is to put God first in your life. Tithing's a heart test. If I'm not putting God first in my finances, then he's not first in my life because finances are important to us. If I'm not putting God first in the most important areas of my life, my relationships, my family, my finances, my schedule, then he's not first place in my life. God is really practical. He doesn't just say, love me with all your heart without telling us how to do it. But the great thing is, it's not just a heart test, it's a God test. God says, you can put me to the test in this. If you tithe, you'll see that I'm real. You'll see my promises are true, that you can't outgive me, that my basket is always bigger than your basket, and I'll fill your basket to overflowing. God says, give me back the first 10% of all you make, enjoy all the rest I've given you, and I'll also bless you more so you'll be a greater blessing because my basket is bigger than your basket. 
you know, I'm so grateful that I grew up with this principle. My parents taught me this principle. It's just like, man, you get a dollar in your lunch, you give 10 cents back to God. It's just part of it, whether I liked it or not. You know, it's $100 mowing and I gotta give the first $10 back to God. Does God really need that 10 bucks? I don't think so. But I sure have some plans for it, you know. But my parents, they just instilled that in me and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. It's been one of the biggest secrets to our marriage. Chris and I said, you know what? We're gonna tithe because we want God to be involved in our marriage and our finances. We wanna put God first before anyone else gets paid because we need God. He's the most important. He's the most important one, so we have to put him first no matter what. And, and God always comes through. You know, over half of all divorces occur because of financial arguments, financial problems. And, and so you want to alleviate that, you put God first. And so I'm so grateful, but some of you, you never learned that growing up, and it's like 10%. What? How can you do that? How can I do that? And that's the enemy wants you to think that, hey, there's no way. I can't afford to. There's no way. How are we going to do that? You watch what God does. You put him first, and you experience the amazing promise of God that his basket is bigger than your basket. And that's what I want for every one of you. I know thousands of you have discovered that at Willand Church. I have people all the time come up to me and go, you know what? I finally started tithing and it works. God's blessed my business in all these ways. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, yeah, God's word's true. I mean, it's almost every week someone comes up to me and says, I just started six months ago. I can't believe, wow, God's word is true. I go, yeah, God's real. His word is true. He keeps his promises. And it's so exciting to me when I see, and so many of you, thousands of you have gotten that over the years, and it's changed your whole life, changed your relationships, changed the way you see God. You know God is real. It's given you confidence that his promises are true. So when you go through troubles and problems, you know, hey, God's gonna come through, just like he said. And I'm so glad, but if you've never discovered that, Boy, God wants that for you. God doesn't want you to rob him of his opportunity to bless you. That's his heart. That's his desire. He wants you to see that he's real. Well, well, let me just share with you some frequently asked questions about tithing that people have asked me many times. The first one is, should I tithe on the net or the gross? Gotten asked that a lot. And I always say, what do you want God to bless you on? The net or the gross, you know? And by the way, the 10% is the minimum. When you trust God for more blessing, that's called the offering in Scripture. There's tithes and offerings. Tithe's just the minimum. That's not stealing from God. Then the offering is giving above that tithe. There are times when God calls us to give an offering over and above our tithe so that he can bless us more, so we can experience more of God and learn to trust him more. Well, another question I get asked is, can I tithe to charity? Does that count for my tithe? Chris and I give to charities. There are a lot of great charities that do a lot of great work. But notice that in that verse, God says, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. That's the place of worship. That's your church because tithing is an act of worship to be given at the place of worship. It's great to give to charities and other organizations, but that's not the tithe. That doesn't activate those blessings of God. Tithing is an act of worship given to your local place of worship. That's what tithing is. That's why it's an act of worship. Well, another question I've been asked is, 
what if I give a lot of money because I make a lot of money, but it's not 10%. It's less than 10%, but it's still a lot compared to what most people give. No, God says it's not. It's 10%. Now you'd think the more you make, the easier it would be to tithe, wouldn't you? But study after study has shown the more you make, the more you struggle with tithing. The more you make, the chances are greater that you're not tithing than for someone who makes less. Why is that? I've done a lot of study on this and I've come up with one word, greed. That's it. In our flesh, we can all be really greedy. It's easier to tithe when you make 100 bucks mowing lawns. That $10 may feel a little big, but it's not that big. But if you make a lot, you start thinking 10% is a lot of money. You know, I can give less and it will still be more than most people. No, not according to God. It's not about how much you give. It's giving from your heart and giving what God commands you to give. God says, no, you're stealing from me and one day I'll get it all back. More than likely in this life, but if not, in the next. Because you can't take it with you when you die. And some people think, well, if I made more money, I'd tithe. If I made more money, then I would for sure tithe, but it's really tough right now. I don't make enough to really tithe. And I want to say, no, you wouldn't. Don't fool yourself. No, you would not tithe if you made more money, if you're not tithing now, unless you start believing that God's word's true. That's the whole problem. It's a trust issue. God, are you really gonna come through? I don't know for sure about this. I'll trust you with something else that's not that important. But I'm not sure about this one. It doesn't matter how much you make or how little you make. God says, tithe to put me first and I'll bless your life. R.G. Letourneau, who invented earth movers, when he started his business, he started giving 10% to God and God began to bless him. So He started giving 20%, then 30%, then he started giving 50%, half of his income to God, and God kept blessing him. And by the end of his life, he was reverse tithing. He was giving 90% and living off of 10%, and that 10% was still millions. And he was asked, what's your secret? And he said, I just started shoveling money to God, and God kept shoveling it back. It's just that his shovel was a lot bigger than mine. God has a bigger basket And so, how big is your basket? How big is your faith in his promises? God says, when you give, I give back to you, but I always give back more. You're gonna need a bigger basket. Well, some people ask me, what if I make very little, or what if I'm really struggling financially and I can't afford to tithe? I would say, you can't afford not to, because the first thing you need is for God to be involved in your finances. And so when you give, God gets involved in your finances. Then, of course, you follow the other biblical principles on finances, like budgeting, getting out of debt, saving. But you pay God first before any bills, so God will meet your needs. And you'll see God come through. Now, after you start practicing the habit of tithing, it becomes I want to instead of I have to. And by the way, it is a habit. You don't just tithe when you feel like it or you won't really tithe. A lot of people say, well, I I tithe, but uh, so I did that. I haven't done that in a while, but I tithe. No, you haven't if it's not first 10% because God says, you obey me in this and make it a habit whether you feel like it or not. Make it a habit where you get excited or not. Make it a habit where you feel like I'm gonna come through or not. You just do it. You just do it. Give God the first part. Make it a discipline. Make it recurrent giving. Do whatever it takes to make it just 
Always do that. And what happens is it turns from a have to to a want to because I love God and don't want to miss out on his blessings. Then you want to give over your tithe. The tithe is the first 10%. And when you give over a tithe, that's an offering, Scripture tells us. And I love this passage in 2 Corinthians because these people that Paul talks about, the Macedonian church, man, they got it. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse one, it says, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Paul said, I was so moved by the miracle of generosity in the Macedonian churches. They're going through tough times right now. They've been pushed into poverty. So Paul asked them, just sit this offering out. You guys tithe and you're going through a tough time. God's gonna come through for you, but just sit this one out. Don't worry about this. You're going through a struggle right now. And they said, don't you dare steal from us the opportunity to experience God's blessings in our lives. They got angry at Paul. They said, don't you dare steal this blessing from us. And Paul was amazed and they gave far more than they could afford because they knew the principles of giving, that God would give it back to them. And this weekend, we have a divine opportunity to experience God's power and blessings in our lives in a big way. Our Believe and Build offering is today, this weekend. We've been praying about this. We've been preparing for this for a long time. We've been excited about this as a church. We get to give our Believe and Build vision offering today. And if you're a first timer here, then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but it's something we get really excited about. And it's over and above our regular tithes so we can reach more people for Christ. So we can build our downtown campus to reach more people for Christ and make such a difference. So that we can renovate and redo all of our student buildings and invest in our children's ministry and the children's buildings to update all these things so that we can reach more students for Christ and raise up this generation to change the world. We're gonna build ball fields to minister to kids and have all these children's leagues with coaches that are Christians that do devotionals with them. And we bring in men and women for sports ministries that bring them to Christ and to church. And then we're gonna increase all of our missions and ministries that we do here and all over the world because God wants us to reach more people and to stretch in faith because so many people need Jesus in these critical times. Now, we've done this a few times in the history of our church. The reason you're in this building right now is because we did this. That people sacrificed and gave over and above the regular tithes so that we could have a building of our own. When our church was four years old, we'd run out of space in the school that we were renting. We're meeting in a school. We needed to build a building to have a place of our own. Every army needs a base. Every army of compassion needs a base. And and I said, you know what, I'm not a fundraiser, but if we all sacrifice to give over and above our normal tithes, then we can build this building. And let's pray for a miracle and let's pray in our families and just ask, God, what should we do? And just give what God tells you to give. We can't all give the same amount, but we can all give the same sacrifice. And so let's pray and just do what God tells you to do. And so I gathered our family and we prayed and prayed, God, show us what we should do over and above our tithes so that we can build this building to reach people for Christ. And my oldest son, Ryan, who was about nine at the time, he said, well, how much 
do I have to give, Dad? And that's a question that a lot of people ask, but they don't ask that to me. They just think that. It's like, what is the minimum I have to give to stay in good standing with God? I mean, I don't want to come in too low. That's embarrassing. But I certainly don't want to come in too high. I'd like to come in just right above the lowest. That's where I want to come in, right there next to the lowest person so, you know, I don't feel too embarrassed. So how much do I have to give? And I said, well, Ryan, that's really the wrong question because we get to give. You know, it's not about have to, it's about want to. We should want to give because Jesus promised us that whatever we give is going to come back to us and even more because you can't outgive God. So really it's not what do you have to give. The question is how much do you want God to bless your life? Now Ryan was our saver. I mean, he'd save every penny. He saved up his Halloween candy for 10 years until it all went bad, you know. And, but he was always saving. I mean, he'd saved up $84 in his piggy bank. He would save his allowance, every dime of it. He would never spend anything. He would save every birthday gift from grandparents and he'd saved up about 84 bucks. And he said, well, dad, I'll pray about it. So he bowed his head and about a minute later, he said, I'm gonna give half of it. And I said, Ryan, 50%. And that just inspired Chris and I to wanna give more, to sacrifice more than ever because that's what you want. You wanna see your kids grow up to be givers in our very materialistic society. The only way they can grow up to not be materialistic is to learn to be a giver. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. It's just, if you're not a giver, you're a taker. And you'll never experience fulfillment. Jesus said there's more happiness in giving than receiving. And I want my kids to learn the true secret of happiness. And, and so it just really blew us away that Ryan said, I'm gonna give half of it. Because I knew how hard that must have been, but he wanted to please God and to believe God. Now, Josh, who was a year younger, he was the one that spent every dime, even before he got it. You know, it was like he was totally in debt. You know, like he was 10 allowances out that he'd already spent, you know, and gotten an advance on him. And so he'd saved up about $3.50 in his piggy bank. But he was quick to say to Ryan, Ryan, that's great, but I think I'm going to give God everything in my piggy bank. A little bit of that spiritual pride, you know, started kicking in. I'm going to give him my all, Ryan, because he's going to give it back to me. I'm not sure it required a whole lot of faith or sacrifice, but then Josh said to Ryan, Ryan, you should really give God all of yours too, because you're just going to get it back and even more. He was just quick to, you know, just preach, you know, preach it. Not so quick to live it, but just to preach it, you know, and so I can relate to that at times. And he said, you should really give all yours to God because he's just gonna give you back more. And Ryan said, hmm, I think I wanna wait and see what God does with yours first. <laughs> but we were so proud of our kids, you know, having those, and that's why you involve your family because you want your kids to see you put your money where your mouth is. But we don't just talk this talk, we walk it because God is real. And so our children at Woodland Church are gonna lead the way in our offering today. And they've been collecting change in their little boxes and they've been shaking you down. Talk about shaking together. And they've been shaking you down, you know, for change. And they've got Chuck E. Cheese tokens and everything in there. Who knows what's in there? But they're coming to give. And just think about these kids growing up in this culture that's trying to tear faith apart and tear them away from God. These kids are growing up in Jesus, learning about Jesus at an early age experiencing the love of Jesus, 
praising Jesus with their screams and cries. And I'm just so grateful for all these children that God has given us at Woodland Church to be stewards of, to teach them and build into them the principles of God's word. And they deserve us to stand for them, to stand up for them. So children, lead the way. Give them a huge hand as they give their offerings to God. Let's give these kids a giant Thank you. And let's give the staff and the volunteers and our preschool and children's ministry even bigger thank you. I think about what these kids are gonna face as they grow up in our culture that wants to take Christ out of everything. But I think about how they're falling in love with Jesus They're learning what it means to grow in Christ. They're learning the Bible stories at a young age. They're seeing Christ-like leaders guide them. They're growing up in faith, and I'm telling you, they're gonna stand strong if we stand strong with them to do everything we can to give them everything they need. They're gonna grow up to change the world. If we stop telling them, I don't know what's gonna happen in your future. I don't know, it's getting so bad right now. Yeah, I don't know. Looks like there's not a lot of future. We stop telling that, we start telling them, you know what, it's tough to grow up in this culture. Everything's trying to pull your faith apart and tear Christ out of your life. But I'm telling you, this is the greatest time in the history of the world to be alive. And God put you here for a reason, so you can stand up for him and so that you can join others and change this world and turn back the tide. God's got a special purpose for you. You matter to God. We tell them that, we build that into them. And they deserve that. And so now, uh, adults, it's our turn to give. And I want to, because this is the Giving Weekend, take you through exactly what we're doing with um, what God is giving. So let's do that right now. Our Believe and Build offering. By the way, this is what God's done over the last 30 years at Willing Church. 89,029 people have committed their life to Christ over the last 30 years. 33,619 people have professed their faith in Christ by being baptized at Woodland Church. Those numbers are important because each one of those numbers represents a life that's changed, eternal destiny that has been changed. And then look at this. This is just this year alone. 2,281 people have committed their life to Christ just this year. And 1,542 people were baptized to profess their faith in Christ this year. And 13,500 people are being fed consistently in Kenya and Haiti through our 14 farmers field schools that provide the training, the seed, teach them business principles, and it sustains their family and brings them out of poverty And then 100 small churches we planted in rural India. We do that almost every year. 1,800 meals were provided to those experiencing homelessness in Houston this year through our homeless ministry. 200 children and teenagers in the Houston foster system are being loved and supported by Woodlands Church through our foster and adoption ministry. 8,000 children and high school students are being reached in Kenya, Malawi, and Honduras through our sports ministry, our events, and our education program that teaches the values of Jesus right in the public schools, which is amazing. Over 4,000 children and students are attending services weekly at Woodlands Church, and that's just a few of our many missions and ministries here and around the world 
that God's doing through you. So here's our believe and build vision. We wanna reach the city of Houston, not skip over the city of Houston. You reach the city, you reach the world. And God has provided for us this place right in the new East River development downtown. And we're already building the campus. We're opening up in March. We just haven't paid for it yet. And so uh, that's a big thing to reach the city, building our new downtown campus that'll seat 700 people. We'll probably have to go to two services right away. It's gonna be an amazing place of life change. It's gonna be an amazing place to help the poor and powerless. It's gonna be an amazing place to reach the whole city. And so Easter, it's gonna be ready. And then go to the next one. We also wanna rebuild the foundation for the next generation. We feel like we have to do everything we can for this generation coming up. And so we're going to redo all the student complex over here. They have outgrown that. They have to meet in the auditorium on Wednesday night. And so, and that building, metal building's so old, but we're gonna refurbish it. We're gonna do so much to it at our Atascacita campus to build in the children and the students by remodeling and renovating facilities. And, and so that's a really big deal. Then also the sports ministries that we're gonna do. We wanna build a couple of fields to start and then build more fields and have thousands of children participating in these sports ministries with Christian coaches and guiding them to Christ and then also men's and women's sports to bring people in so that they can come to Christ. And then show the next one, guys. We wanna renew the buildings to increase ministry capacity, and that's a picture of the Atascacita Plaza we wanna build that will be, have more fellowship out there. And, and we have to re- renovate a lot of buildings. This building is 23 years old, and so we're having to do some infrastructure things and, and all the buildings to make them to what God wants them to be so we can go into the next 30 years with God's power and strength. And so that's what this is all about. Um, And then go to the Believe and Build offering. So here's what we're believing God for, $30 million over and above our regular tithes and offerings over the next two years. Because it has to be over and above because we can't let our current ministries and missions go down. We wanna expand them with God's power. So the estimated need is our downtown campus is 12 million. Student ministry, building, renovation, five million. Sports fields, about three million. Restoration of the Woodlands and Atascacita campuses. And we wanna increase all of our ministries and missions, and that's about 10 million, to increase that the way we believe God wants us to. And if that doesn't come in, then we can't do those things. But we're believing God for that, but it'll take every one of us. We all can't give the same amount, but we can all sacrifice, equal sacrifice. Go to the next page, guys. So. Here's what I'm asking you to do. You got the little card and envelope when you came in. Some of you are already ready for it and ready to give. But what we want you to do is give a one-time gift, your best gift, one-time gift that you can give. And I hope you prayed about it and you're ready to give that one-time gift. Um, And then we want you to make a two-year commitment. What could you give over two years? Because you can give more over two years than you can in a one-time gift. What could you give over two years? And let this be a faith adventure. This is not a pledge. No one's gonna hold you accountable to that. But it will be a time where you can go, God, I believe you're gonna do this in my life. I believe you're gonna bless. And so I wanna stretch in faith and do what you've called me to do. Chris and I have given our gift and we have given our commitment. And it's just so exciting, you know? First you get scared, then you're like, okay, God, thank you that you're gonna do this in such a powerful way and, And so many of you have already given your gift. And some of you, if you give $10, 
over and above your regular tithes, I mean, that's gonna be a giant sacrifice because you're going through a tough time right now. And God's gonna bless that even more. And it counts more to God than someone, a few of you would have to give six figures for it to even you know, notice it. And, and so it's not about the amount, it's about the sacrifice. We can all give the same sacrifice. And so you fill that out with your commitment online or you do it on this card. And then you submit that and that doesn't affect your bank account or anything, but then it goes to the secure giving site and you give your one-time gift online and just click believe and build, give your one-time gift. And here's the thing, if you've never started tithing, let that be your commitment to the believe and build and do recurrent giving and start tithing today and you watch what so many at Woodland Church have discovered that God always comes through, that God is real. You watch that his basket is always bigger than your basket and God is more than able to take care of every need you have. God is more than able to provide for you. You'll see how big and great God is. And so we're gonna give our offerings, but let's pray together and just ask for God's blessing and God's strength. And here's the thing. Another question is, well, I don't think the church needs it. It's, you know, well, the church is a big church. I don't think they need my money. Well, I can tell you this, the church always has a great need a great need, but don't give because of the needs. Give because you love Jesus, that's when it counts. Give because you love Jesus. And when you do that, it changes everything. And yeah, the, we always have great needs because as we expand, as we reach out to reach more people, some people don't get that, but as we reach out, yeah, we have a lot of needs, but don't give because of the needs, give because you love Jesus, because you're obeying his commands and because you love what he's doing through the ministries of this church. Dear Lord, we come before you, and who am I and who are our people that we get to give to you? Because we're just giving back to you some of what you've already given us, and we thank you for that, Lord, for the opportunity to give, because, Lord, we want you to bless us and strengthen us in every way, and we know that your basket's bigger than our basket, so what a joy it is to give, and, Lord, I pray that you would take our gifts and our sacrifice and just multiply them in so many ways so that we can reach every single person that you want us to reach. There's so many people out there that need you, Jesus, and you're our only hope for this world today. You're our only hope for this next generation. So help us, Lord, stand up for you with a greater conviction than ever to stand against the enemy, to stand against the culture that's going the wrong direction and to stand for you, Jesus Christ in every way. And then Lord, I thank you that you're gonna just change so many lives in our church because really that's what it's all about. It's each and every one of us experiencing your blessing and seeing that you're real. So do that, Lord. Do all that you want for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, our church is gonna come now and take our offering and you can give your regular tithes and offerings if you never start tithing, then let that be your commitment and give our Believe and build offerings as well. Hey, God's doing so much at Woodland Church. I cannot believe that Christmas Eve services start in just a couple of weeks, December 22nd through the 24th. And we're gonna have 16 Christmas Eve services at our two campuses. Why do we do that? Because we're crazy. That's why. I mean, you know, most churches do one Christmas Eve service and then the pastors get to go home, you know? But we, they just keep going. They just, I can't remember what service I'm in usually. Is this the 10th service or the fourth service? I don't know. But the reason we do that is because people need Jesus. And some people only come to church on Christmas Eve. 
And you know what? We don't say, if you only come to church on Christmas Eve, then don't even bother. You don't even, you're a stench in the nostrils of God. Hellbound, get away from here. No, we don't do that because we say, thank God that you're here because we have a chance to reach you for Jesus. And they come and it's like, you know what? You preach the same message. It's always about baby Jesus, you know? It's always, yeah, because it's Christmas, you know? It's like, but here's the thing. So many of them then come to Christ and come, maybe they came for 10 years to Christmas Eve service and nothing else. And then one Christmas Eve, God got a hold of their heart and they've never missed since. And that's the way so many of you were. You came Christmas Eve or Easter and God got a hold of your heart and changed your life. And it's never been the same. And there will be people at our Christmas Eve services, this will be their last Christmas and they don't know it. And they'll be sitting out in seats you're sitting in. It'll be the last time that they hear the gospel before they enter eternity. And we take that very seriously at Wilderness Church. I take that very seriously. Chris and I do when we speak the message. We know there are people, it'll be the last time, the last chance. And that's why we do what we do, because people need Jesus. Our pastors, we would rather, you know what? Shut her down. It's Christmas, let's go home, be with our families. But we're up here all through Christmas, and we have this church hangover on Christmas Day that's horrible. I mean, it's like, I don't know where I'm at on Christmas Day. Kids, open the presents. I don't know what, what is it your birthday? I don't know what today is, you know? But we do that. Why? Because people need Jesus. People need Jesus. That's why we spend our resources and creativity and our team's amazing. And it's going to be so creative as always. We've been planning this for a long time. Invite your friends. Invite your friends because if they come here, I believe God's gonna grab their heart and they can come to know Jesus and be changed forever. And by the way, the Festival of Lights has been amazing. We had a thousand come through last night. If you haven't been through it, you need to come through it. But the whole purpose of that is to bring people onto the campus to invite them to Christmas Eve. But it's amazing. The same people that do the, did the zoo lights, you know, are connected with us and they're, you know, they're the ones that put all this up and it's just gonna get bigger and bigger every year but it's all about pointing people to the real Christ of Christmas. That's what we do. We have a God who's more than able, don't we? He's more than able. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your need is, but he knows it, and he's gonna get you through because he is more than able. So let's stand and let's sing that to him today, that he's more than able to do everything that we need. My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory because his basket is bigger than your basket. He is more than able to see you through the problem that you're in right now. He's more than able to slay that giant you're facing right now. He's more than able to provide for you. He's more than able to bring deliverance and strength and power and wisdom. He is more than able. Let's sing it. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.